What is up, everyone? Chris Manning here from the Locked on Cavs podcast with my co-host, Evan Darrell, talking about Darius Garland not winning MVP in segment one and his on-off numbers this year, talking about Darius Garland's three-point shooting and off-ball shooting, and talking about uh, how Darius Garland compares to various elite players in the NBA. That's all coming up on today's show as we continue Darius Garland week on Locked on Cavs. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. All right, the music you heard on the way in, at least in audio form only for right now, is Astro Check them out on Spotify or Apple Music or wherever you listen to music. I'm Chris Manning, covering the cast for places like Diamond Up Rocks and SB Nations for the Sword. My partner in crime here is a man who is, didn't get his Twitter bit in time because he had to record a podcast. It's Evan Damrell. Evan, what's up? Not a whole lot, man. Um, are we going to be on a new platform soon because of the, uh, the old Elon purchase? And also, I think it's really, I mean, like, it is a sick, sick flex, but it really shows you how rich you, some rich rich folks are where you can literally silence the teenagers on Twitter you argue with because you now own uh, the application. So, it's, yeah. it's funny. All right, Evan, let's start with Darius Garland. Uh, not named most improved player, John Morant from the Memphis Grizzlies ends up winning the award. Do you, do you feel particularly strongly about this one way or the other? Uh, no, not necessarily. I think you and I were making our case for Darius winning the award. Um, is it disappointing? I guess if you're a fan, yeah, it's disappointing. Like when you're disappointed with Evan Mobley not winning it, but it's not really worth getting so caught up in your emotions. I think you and I made a pretty good argument where like Jaw was very good from go in his NBA career. He won Rookie of the Year. He has been just a transcendental player all around. Like is going to probably make the Grizzlies into a force for years to come, not just their depth. Um, but I think it's just more shocking that he finished in third place behind DeJounte Murray. I know DeJounte Murray had a really strong season himself. He had a lot of triple doubles, but um, it, it's just really interesting to see how the voting process went. I think Jordan Poole rightfully got a lot of first place votes. He was yeah. incredible this year. I think he definitely deserves that. Um there's some interesting ways to break this down. This, the point metric system is interesting. It was a very narrow margin between Murray and Garland. It was also, I believe, a narrow margin between Poole and Garland as well. So I think it's cool the Cavs got consideration. I think it's cool Darius got consideration. If you asked him right now, I mean, at least publicly, he'd say he's probably disappointed that he didn't win, but he doesn't care about that much because he's more about team success and probably more disappointed that they just didn't make the playoffs in general. That's just kind of my two cents and some extra change on the uh, whole situation. Yeah, look, I I think he's a guy that should be top three in it. I don't. I I think the more issue I have is just like it, the jaw winning just feels a little, you know, off to me for whatever reason. I tend to think that like this is like a Jordan Poole, Desmond Bain, Darius Garland, Dejounte Murray, Robert Williams kind of award this year. But that that's where it is. Evan, we are though going to continue talking about Darius Garland, and we're going to do numbers today. So uh, as we do our big Darius Garland week today, is going to start it's with on off this numbers. episode of Locked On Cavs is like a calculator. It's doing numbers. Uh, it's not really a calculator. It's you. You say this as someone who went to school for like engineering, and that's the just, joke, though. Is damn, this thing is like a calculator. It's doing numbers. 
you know what? I'm just breezing by you today. I don't have time for this. We're going to talk a second, first segment, out off number second. How, this this looking at his assist percentage and his usage rate and what kind of category that puts him in it's a pretty wild group that a select group and then third segment some things to watch for based on what we saw this year into next year but i'm really on. shocked by the numbers i'm not going to be looking at them as you share them with me just okay like, well what? okay so let's start with on off so from cleaning the glass thus factoring out garbage time the Cavs were plus 9.1 per 100 possessions on offense with Garland this year and plus 13.9 points overall per possession with them on the floor. That's in the upper 90th percentile of players, according to the clean of the glass. That's an eight-point bump for Garland year over year. Uh, I'm going to throw this up. This is how it looks for him on off for the team overall. And you can see this on YouTube. Ricky Rubio was second. Lowry Marketing was third. We'll have to investigate that a little bit and, and see what the noise is there. Jared Allen was fourth. Ed Davis was there. There's obviously like some small sample size theater stuff in here, but like Garland was by far and, and a, by a pretty wide margin, the on off leader for Cleveland. Look, these things are not one to one on how good someone is, right? Like, for instance, Ja was in this metric was a minus 3.2. Luca was like negative one per hundred possessions, according to the, to the same site, the same kind of tracking. What I think this says is just another reinforcement that Darius Garland really kept the Cavs functioning this year. And this is a team that, like, you probably should look at how much he was elevating talent that otherwise maybe wasn't as good as we thought it was or or just isn't all that impressive as we understand it right now. And he made the team function in a very extreme way, which is kind of wild. It really is wild. You wonder if maybe... And hopefully he can bounce back, or not bounce back, but continue this success and heading into next season. But this is kind of what we talked about at the, just the overall crux episode and just heading into this week where, hot take, Darius Garland is really fucking good. And he the, the, the growth and development we've seen this year is unexpected, but I think the most exciting thing was the fact that he makes people actively better in that same category as Jaw and Luca, And I think that's really promising for his long-term prospects just because... Jaw and Luke are MVP candidates, and granted, I'm not going to say Darius is one of those right off the offset, but makes you feel good about his chances. Um, and like you said, he really is the engine that makes this car go for the Cavs offensively. If they didn't have Garland, we've seen plenty of examples of how it just doesn't function properly, because yes, he makes sure everybody's in the right place, yes, he makes the right shots, makes sure everybody's in the right place, but... Um, at the same time, like just the offense functions completely differently because he is the floor general for the Cavs. And I think being given the keys to the offense and the full assurance that he will be just the, this is his team more or less. Like Darius has said it a few times, like, hey, this is my team. I'm going to lead them. Like, I think him having a little bit of that swagger and confidence is only going to be good, and like you, like you have pointed out, the numbers don't really lie. They kind of track on how with eye test stuff at least we're like okay he's actually making cats a lot better on the floor that maybe wouldn't be sniffing a regular nba rotation if they weren't playing at darius garland right now and also if the caps were banged up with injuries but that's that's another quibble for another day yeah look i i just think this is a, a player that again this was is such an extreme thing and like i think i think like the hope if you're looking at this and saying okay like this makes a case of how good darius was this makes a case of of how vital he was in, in a lot of ways it just also i think tells you like that this roster just needs a lot of reinforcement like i i i come away looking at a lot of the things that i've looked at uh, for Darius' season and looking at the roster overall and it's just like this roster i think ultimately like people will feel emotion towards it i think because of of how the turnaround season i think that's fair i think if we're going to look at this cold-heartedly and for the organization that's what you do it's just like 
this organization like has to has to get better. Like it just has to in terms of reinforcing the rest of its roster because like it, it makes sense when you see these on-off numbers when you see how they played this year on, and, and watch the games. Like it makes sense that, that basically it just felt like the team to survive the end of the season needed Darius Garland on the floor. Like it it just ultimately like if we, we were going to do awards for the season, it's like he to me he'd be the runaway MVP for for kind of what we out what we've outlined here and, and how vital he was at just holding them up. Would you say he's the overall MVP or just the offensive MVP? No, I the case for Jared Allen as well, just because the defense fell flat, flat when he was sidelined that broken finger. I I think it's Garland because it's an offense first. Well, I agree. I'm just. Yeah, I'm asking I, I, this question because it is worth asking, you know. I I would vote Garland like ten out of ten times. I think the more yeah. I've thought about it, yeah, I think it's really um, him. He is the best player on the Cavs right now. I think Evan Mobley has the potential to supplant him, and kind of just as his game grows and evolves, it just because Mobley's that kind of player. But yeah, overall, this is like an offensive first league. I think having Jared Allen being an All Star very low usage reliable center is just such a perfect complimentary piece for your just key player in garland that just having those two alone is a dynamic one-two punch for cleveland but i think darius garland just maximizing his teammates is really special and yeah i agree he's mvp because it became even evident when especially after rubio went down when garland was out with covid or he was dealing with his back issues like this Cavs offense does not function properly if he's not out there on the floor to get them going. Maybe they can ride the Cavalanches or whatever people like to call them and the momentum the Cavs build with a starting lineup into the bench unit, but Garland needs to set the table in order for that to happen, and you can't ask Rajon Rondo or Brandon Goodwin to do the same and expect similar results. Yes. All right. After the break, we're going to dive into Darius Garland being in an elite category with the likes of James Harden, Luka Doncic, Trey Young, Jante Murray, Nikola Jokic. Two two Lots of those five names just made some Cavs fans either wreck their car or punch their phone. Well, that's I I hope they didn't do either of those things. Uh, be safe, frankly. But Evan, you're I first going to tell everyone about our friends at Price Picks. You're absolutely correct. All right, NBA fans not living in Ohio, are you looking for daily fantasy options in the NBA? Then you need to try out the the award winning app Price Picks. Price Picks is the daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and we know you'll love it too. You just have to pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you win up to ten times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play Store. Prize Picks offers a variety of options, and they offer you any prop you can think of from points scored to rebounds, even steals. Prize Picks also allows mixed sports entries, and it just isn't the NBA. Like I said, they offer mixed sports entries, so they have options on college basketball, college bat football, NFL, MLB, soccer, MMA, and more. For a limited time, Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our listeners. Users can get $50 for free if a player in your first Price Picks entry scores a single point, but you must use the code NBA. That's right, this is an exclusive offer available for Locked On Cavs fans. Sign up today and use code NBA for $50 for free. If a player in your first Price Pick entry scores a single point, you win. All right, back here in the Lockdown Cavs podcast. I'm Chris Manning. That is Evan Dermal. Thanks again for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every single day. So, Evan, here's the list of players at point guard to start with, okay, that have that had at least Darius Garland's assist rate, which is 37.9%, excuse me, and on or above a 30% usage rate. It's Darius Garland. It's 
James Harden, it's Luka Doncic, it's Trey Young, and DeJounte Murray. That is a very small category of players. Three of those five players are former MVPs or MVP caliber players. And Trey Young, depending on how you feel about him, could be in that conversation. And DeJounte is really freaking good. DeJounte, as we we talked about, was on his way to... I'm going to leave this graphic up if you're watching on YouTube for a second. DeJounte Murray was a a very deserving, most improved player candidate. Had an incredible season. Trey Young, a a great villain for the league. Uh, Certainly, I think, has some defensive issues, obviously. But, like, an incredible offensive player. One of the very best passers in the league. James Harden, like, still a very good passer, despite maybe not being peak Harden anymore. And Luka Doncic is Luka Doncic. I was going to say, those, those, those Harden numbers are impressive because he had to deal with the hamstring issues in Philly that sidelined him for quite a bit, and he also had to play with Kyrie when it just wasn't working, and he wasn't getting assists off Kyrie looks. These are guys, this is like apex-level creator stuff from Darius Garland. The fact that he did this is just wild to me. Then, Evan, so then I was like, okay, I'm going to see how big this list grows without point guards. Just expanding and saying, here's point guards, here's the five guys listed as points. Let's see how big the list grows if I expand it out. So it adds two players, one of which is funny and one of which is the league. I bad the two-time MVP. Hashtag this league. One of them is Nikola Jokic, who's going to be a two-time MVP. He's one of the other players to do this. Okay, the no, other it's one. It's going to be Joel Embiid. Stop it. It's going to be Nikola Jokic. Uh, if you want to apply to be a non-trolley co-host, lockdowncavs at gmail.com is where we can reach you. Evan, the other player, and like this is just funny because it's an incredibly small sample size, under 400 minutes, is Markel Fultz, which hey, made me like... Take a stab to grab Markel and have him be Darius's backup slash co-partner in the backcourt. Maybe, maybe giggle when I was like, ah, yes, the process vindicated when Markel Fultz is on this list of... Uh, I mean, Markel Fultz is really good at Washington, and he's pretty good for Orlando. Just yeah, but he like, but yeah, and like that's a bad team and everything. But like again, like Uh this is another thing where you buried on the depth chart long term. Yes, yeah, and we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens there. And like he already got his contract and stuff. Good for him. But like you look at this, and it's like, like Darius is the the. I, I I think we thought I think we thought this during the season when we were watching it. But then you go back, you take a break from you. You take a week away from like the grind of the season. You take a step back and you look at it, and then you say, "Okay, I'm going to think about this again. I'm going to I'm going to look at these different categories, see how it really stacks up." The only guys that did like the the, the the what they asked of Darius on offense like only compares to these guys that are like also the, largely the hubs of the other teams. Luka Doncic is perhaps like the most heliocentric player, and like James Harden historically has been that as well, just in a little bit of a different situation this year, but still doing stuff with with when he's with KD in Brooklyn and then with with Joel in Philly. Murray was kind of the lead guy for San Antonio. Nikola Jokic is Nikola Jokic. Like we know what these guys are, we know what they're doing, and it's like. He's in this category with only a couple guys. Now, you could argue, I think, does this something you want him to do year over year over year? Is that maximizing what Garland is? I would probably argue no. But, like, it's it's a testament, I think, again, to how much they really asked of him this year. And how much he... And it, look, th- again, we have we outlined this yesterday. We've outlined this a lot this year. This leap for him was not a guarantee, but it happened. Unless you're Kobe Altman. He knew it all along. Okay, Kobe. Show me your winning lottery tickets at the same time, my guy. Didn't mean to interrupt your tangent. Sorry, it was just no. That was the end of it. That was the end of it. I'm done. Yeah, Darius is just really good. Again, like this is elite. T- like let's. I'm gonna throw it up again. Is it the third? It's it the, the expanded. Uh, d- well, yeah, it's the expanded. Yeah. So like that's elite. 
like let's be frank i have my mouse cursor and then y'all can see this like james harden former mvp like chris said not fully in his prime anymore but still an elite playmaker markel Fultz is surprising but we'll leave him up there he deserves it it's really it's really six play it's really six players really markel Fultz is on here but nicole Jokic, mvp possibly two-time mvp uh luka Doncic future face of the league and heliocentric player for the Mavericks, Trey Young, ditto. Uh, not maybe MVP caliber, but heliocentric for the Hawks and really just makes things work for them. And DeJounte Murray, again, really freaking good. If the Cavs could somehow get him, that'd be huge, but I doubt the Spurs are going to trade arguably their best player at this point. Um, yeah, this is just really elite categories for Darius to be in again. Like, I think you and I were both this is a, this is a hit for us. Like if we're playing battleship with people, this will be a hit where we're saying like Darius Garland is going to be one of, if not the best Cavs player after this season. Like you and I were pretty high on his prospects coming in. Like you said, we didn't expect this type of leap. Um, I think no one did honestly, but the fact that he had it, it makes it even more exciting about his long term potential, especially when you quantify it with numbers like this, and you kind of throw not throw some names, but attach names that have similar statistical outputs to him and usage and everything. And like you said, this is the Cavs asking a lot out of him, but it makes you wonder in a more efficient role with maybe more support around him in terms of just like pieces on the floor and pieces behind him as well. It makes you excited about his long term potential as well. Like, okay, what can the Cavs do next to further unlock things? Because I think making him more efficient as a shooter, and you know he's already pretty efficient, but like crank that up a couple more notches, is going to be like the next big step for him offensively. And it's exciting to think where that takes him because he's def- defenses are going to have to read and react to him, and this high percentage assist percentage is only going to get higher, and his assist numbers are only just going to get better from here on out. Look, and and I and I think there will be I would this is one of the other reasons that if you want to look at this and what you said is a good tease for segment three the other thing about this that i think is notable is that like i would have liked to have seen how this held up in a seven game series i don't know how it would have looked i, I been, suspect it would have been interesting so let's just put it this way they'd either play boston or miami who i think would both hone in on darius quite a bit boston in particular would have been an absolute gauntlet for cleveland to, to deal with in a lot of ways and like that and it starts that, with darius being the head of the snake yeah, and Marcus, and you know, he'd have forty-eight minutes of Marcus Smart and and uh, Derek Brown Derek White and, and Jalen Brown White and defending and Jason him, yeah. Tatum probably at times too. Like that's a it, tough be, ask. Yeah, and like, and it's more time to game plan. Like, but it would have given him a look at this that like we would have got to see how this level of control that he had to take on would have handled that environment. That would have just been really fun to see. Is he is he a Peyton Manning or is he a Tom Brady? That's going to be my analogy for this situation here. Is it only regular season greatness? But, yeah, I wish we Tom, Tom Brady won multiple – or, excuse me, Peyton Manning won multiple Super Bowls. I don't know what you're what – you're, you're a Bronco – Evan, you're a Broncos fan. Oh, I love I love my long neck king. Oh, go, go donkeys. And, Russ, I'm going to drink your brain water every day. Um – it's just I, I would like to see this in a seven game series. Do you happen to have maybe the numbers of how he looked against Brooklyn and, and Atlanta in the plan? Because I guess that is a little bit of a it's a sample size. It's a small sample size, but it's a sample size. We can maybe talk about it in the next segment because we're gonna be heading into breaks real soon here. But it is interesting to think because Brooklyn and Atlanta obviously game plan for Cleveland to figure out ways to minimize their impact on the floor offensively so that they could have an easier path to making the playoffs and playing either Boston or Miami, depending on which team it was. 
Which which one of those matchups will I pull up these numbers? Would have would do you think in terms of getting to the actual playoffs? Which which to be fair, like we're, and if people are saying oh like it counts the playoffs, the team itself kind of has been like ah that wasn't we didn't quite make the playoffs for real. But, I haven't. I it's the play in tournament. It's yeah, the path yeah, 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 to yeah. The, it's the stepping like, stone to the playoffs. Yes. Is there what, which matchup do you think you feel like you want to learn more about Darius? And I think it's clearly Boston. It's clearly Boston just because of the different ways they can th- and looks they can throw it in defensively. Emi Yudoka is a really, really, really good coach. Like, not, I'm not surprised by that. I can understand why the Cavs were high on him as well when they were going through the interview process before they hired Bayline. Um, I just think Boston would have been more interesting. I think Miami would have been as well if Kyle Lowry wasn't hurt. And, like, you could throw Lowry, you could throw Butler at him, you could throw P.J. Tucker at him at times. Like, there's different looks you could throw at him if you're the Heat. And I also think Eric Spolstra is such a tactical coach, too, that he would come up with so many different ways to make Darius uncomfortable. So I'm fine with either. But I think Boston just would have been interesting because you can rattle off a list of four or five players that would probably spend time defending Darius Garland with the defensive player of the year being one of the primary defenders. Yeah, uh, just the, the, the numbers as far as uh, the playing games go. In the two games, he had a usage rate of 34%, and which is a, a little higher than his regular season number, and then his assist percentage dropped down to 28%. Uh, just raw stat numbers. Uh, what was, was it wrong? I'll just pull this up as reference because of the season. Yeah, his usage rate was 31.3, so he was like three, like 2.7 below. Uh, assist, assist, raw, seven assists a game, 5.5 turnovers a game. So a little, just a little, obviously not quite at that peak, but like with, it'd be interesting to go back. Anybody scored more? Like there's some things in there that like the flow ended up being different, and it keep, absolutely, it especially yeah. against the Hawks. But like, that's the I point. The, the first the half against the Hawks, like those numbers would have been insane, and then the second half, the Cavs took their foot off the gas, and I think Atlanta turned mm-hmm. up the pressure a little bit. Yeah, it's a tale of two halves of that one. In Brooklyn, it felt like a full forty-eight. Like the Nets were going to defend Darius properly, and that's a sign of respect at the end of the day too. Like. Yeah, it's frustrating to watch your favorite player if you're a Cavs fan get his not his ass kicked, but kind of humbled a little bit defensively. But it is a sign of respect that teams are putting you on the scouting report to say like, okay, this is how you kind of slow down Cleveland because if you make him uncomfortable, you make the rest of the team uncomfortable. But Chris, speaking of uncomfortable, we don't have Sweat Block as a sponsor anymore. But if you wanted to bet on the Nets getting swept, which seems like a possibility, you know who could help us out? Well, by the time that they listen to this, that could have already happened. But look, got to tell everyone about our friends at Bet Online, your number one source for your betting stats and sports info every season, all seasons. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs to esports and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. For instance, the Miami Heat are 7 and a half point favorites over the Hawks for their upcoming game on Tuesday in game five. The Grizzlies, meanwhile, are six and a half point favorites over the Timberwolves in their Tuesday matchup. And if you're looking at the NBA draft, Jabari Smith is currently the odds on favorite to be the number one overall pick at minus 125, while Chet Holmgren is plus 215 and Paolo Benchero is plus 325. Uh, I might throw a little scratch on Chad if I'm being honest. But go to Bet Online. That is where the game starts. That's betonline.net. All right, back here on the Lockdown Cavs podcast. I'm Chris. That is Evan. Evan, here, here, I got two things. Two. 
to watch for in 22-2023. I want to ask you, do you want me to start with the Grace, passing you're like a, one? You're like a rest referee so scoring a takedown. You're like, two. That's right. If you Just know, taking you, you know. back to taking you back to your to your to your to your athlete days. Ducks, um, shucks, and tries, baby. That's all you got to know. Just massive traps. Uh, Evan, do you want me to do the shooting one first or the passing one first? Which would you prefer? Where do you want to start? Let's do the. See, both are interesting to me. What's more interesting though? They're they're both. I think they're both compelling. That's, that's why what I, that's I, I'm saying. So let's do passing first. You okay. mentioned so, that second, so let's do let's see let's do in reverse order of what you listed. Okay, so Darius Garland's turnover rate is still a little bit high. So this year was a career low at 14.5%, so it's still trending down, but it is in the bottom third of point guards. Now, he did have a very high usage rate. When you're playing with the ball in your hands that much, your turnovers tend to be higher. This happens with Luca. This happens with, with Trey. Like, this happens with guys. Um, but I, I think if you look at this and say, hey, maybe with a better support system, Talking maybe with... coordinator, but... Well, but, like, I think better, you know, the return of Colin Sexton, uh, looking at Ricky Rubio. Like, I didn't have enough time, but I want – I'm going to – I'll report back on the next show and, and outline what maybe his – the Rubio Folks, kind of numbers with that. we got to take the Ricky Rubio fallacy out of the conversation here. He may not even be available for the start of the season. Proceed. Yeah. Uh, but but I'm saying in terms of this, this past season. Uh, uh, oh, this yeah. Is, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, his impact in terms of what Darius has assist – and turnover points like numbers were before all that so i think this is both like personnel and scheme related evan moby's creative growth is going to play a part in this as well but and and look i'm i think you're willing to have some of the turnovers at a higher rate just because if he's going to play with the ball in his hands that much it's going to happen just the volume is going to add up there but i do wonder if they're if the Cavs look at this and say okay if we can better support him can we clean things up and increase our margin for error make our offense function a little better than it did in in 2021 2022 yeah, there's different ways the Cavs could approach this. Like you and I have stressed this several times now, and so we're kind of doing our own exit interviews, more or less. We're talking about just reflecting on the season as a whole. This offseason is pivotal for what the Cavs do. Either they kind of keep just following their upwards trajectory and maybe see what they have. They grab a rookie and maybe they make some marginal moves and they're content with what they have right now, or they kind of push the chips in a little bit and say, okay, let's get some players to better support Darius. But this is why... Speaking of supporting Darius, I keep stressing that maybe the Cavs need to strongly consider getting either like a point forward or just a true backup point to play behind Darius and a younger one at that who maybe doesn't have as many health concerns as Rondo or Rubio at this point as well because I know people keep mentioning him no matter what. Um, because let's just be frank, like yes, Brandon Goodwin was solid at times, but I think you saw the apex of what he can be. And when you watch that game against Memphis, you can really see like, okay, there's a reason why he went undrafted, and there's a reason why he probably wouldn't get rotations or minutes in this Cavs rotation if you, this team is fully healthy. And Karis Levert, I'll give the benefit of the doubt just because he was out for a month. I think maybe getting fully healthy and a training camp might help a lot, but JB used him a lot as a backup point. I don't think that's a tenable thing you can do overall, but you can do it in certain rotations and scenarios. Maybe if you want to have Sexton play fully off ball, or if you want to have Sexton be the ball dominant guard in a rotation and you have Karis LeVert just kind of act as the safety valve next to him, just in case you need some playmaking responsibilities. But yeah, Garland is really good, but I just don't think you can get, 
the same results if you ask the same out of him like you did this year. Or from the tip, you're saying, okay, Darius, we need you to play 40 to 42 minutes a night. We don't really have a true backup behind you, but we're going to be mixing and matching and playmaking by committee around side around you. Um, that's just kind of a recipe for disaster because I think the burnout was real for him too at times, yeah. especially down the yeah. stretch. And you don't want to repeat that because you want to have him everyone's banged up everyone's tired by the time they get to the playoffs but you need to be able to hit that next if you want to hit that next year rather you need to have the energy in the tank in order to do it and like chris said the Cavs were a team that were four miles to empty and five miles away from the gas station towards the end of the season and they can't repeat that next year or we're going to watch them flame out in the playing tournament for the second year in a row yes all right number two is that off ball shooting so this past year uh, 35% on corner three-pointers, 30 uh, putting in the glass, and then I catch and shoot throughs overall, 35.4% versus 40.4% of pull-ups. So uh, he made that made up 16.1% of his shots were catch and shoot, 22.1% of his shots were pull-up threes. So compare that to year two of his career, 2020-2021, 44% of corner threes, 43.2% of catch and shoot threes versus 35.7% of pull-ups. In that season, 16.7 of his shots were catch and shoot versus 16.3 on pull-ups. The other big change for Darius in this stretch was that he took fewer shots within 10 feet, so he's cutting out some of his shots both right at the rim and in that 4- to 14-foot range. So this is what I wonder, Evan. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you look at this upcoming season, 2022-2023, you look at him being leaned on off ball more and he takes more corner threes. We saw um, at times, I think particularly with Karras, they would run some action when he'd be the, the guy, the, the, the not the lead ball handler in a set. He would get a, a back screen set for him. He would float to the corner. He would kind of come off screens and there'd be different looks. They'd try to use him in that way. I wonder if that's the thing they'd try to do more of to kind of maximize his uh, malleability as a player. Like, I, I think it could take some of the the – the strain off of him just having to pound the ball every time up and down the floor. It's a way just because if this, if you can't overhaul the roster and fix your spacing issues in the summer, and I don't think you probably can, this is another way to stretch things out and maybe create a little more space inside for guys to work. It seems like just something that I'm, I'm looking at. It's just interesting that his numbers percentage-wise just kind of like flipped in that way. Yeah. And I, I wonder if they both just sort of like inch closer together and, and or one rises to meet the other or something like that. I think Colin Sexton being back will help a lot too, just in terms of off-ball pressure as well for Garland. I, I, I'm even willing to buy that if like you're going to tell me that you get a better Karis Levert. Well, I, I was agreeing with you on that, but imagine we're yeah. in the lineup of Garland, Sexton, Levert, uh, either Love, Mobley, Markkinen, and either I allen or mobley like that's got a lot of potential defensively it's got a lot of potential offensively and i think if you want to use darius garland off the ball and let sexton be the primary initiator let lavert kind of run some action you could really unlock things for him and make his life a hell of a lot easier from three as well because defenses are going to have to respect mobley and allen in the interior and then also sexton is just such a dynamic threat from three levels on the floor that it's going to get Garland some easier looks on offense, and I think that's something that the Cavs could definitely explore, and it'd be interesting to see how it unfolds. I I will be fascinated to see how he's used next year. It's one of it's not the number one question I have about next season. It's probably not top three in a lot of just because I think the roster will take so much of my of of our attention over the summer and into training camp and such, but. Yeah, I can't believe I just said the word. It's April, and the, ugh, I can't believe I said the word training camp. Right, I need some time, but like. 
I, how they deploy him next year will be one of those early season things. I, I think I'll be keenly kind of watching. Is there any, is there any like thing, Evan, that you feel like I should have looked at that I didn't when I made up, when I outlined this show for us? No, not at all. I think you really hit the nail on the head. This was the Chris Manning special, uh, like a calculator. He did some numbers today. I'm going to try the joke again. If you laughed, let us know in the comments, or if you laughed, leave a five-star review and say, ha ha, good joke say these nuts are hilarious because we're two nutty dudes but either way yeah you did a good job pulling numbers i think you can really quantify how elite darius has become because i think that that i think don't think it's unfair to kind of put that label with him like he is an elite player in different facets of the game but there's obviously areas to improve because he's a young player he's not a perfect or nor a finished product because if he was i think the Cavs would be in a lot different position than they were to finish the season but it's exciting to think about his long-term potential and like i said earlier now that we have kind of numbers to kind of quantify how great this season was it really gets the gears turning on maybe what the Cavs can do next year to support him and maybe also not maybe also but also what we'll expect from garland as a year four player as well yes okay uh coming up tomorrow we're gonna look at what's next for darius garland in his development and how he larger factors into and shapes what the Cavs are building we are also taking questions for a Darius Garland mailbag episode that's going to come the day after tomorrow. Uh, so drop your questions. We'd like to, to answer as many questions about Darius as, as any of you guys have out there. So drop them below if you're watching on YouTube or submit questions to at LockdownCavs on Twitter or LockdownCavs at gmail.com. I'm going to put out a call for questions on, on my Twitter and we'll see how that goes as well. But if you have some, if you watch to the end here and you have some Darius Garland specific questions, drop them below and we'll be sure to answer them coming up. Uh, thanks again, everyone, for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and view wherever you're listening to podcasts. I'm Chris. That is Evan. Again, be back tomorrow talking about what is to come next as we continue our Darius Garland week. <laughs>